podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hear that? That's the sound of the 2023 Chevy Silverado's 2.7 liter high output turbo engine, delivering 430 pounds per foot of torque with no compromise durability. Impressive power. Whether you're helping friends move or just moving some friends. Thanks. This is the sound of a family with plenty of rear seat room to enjoy the ride. And most importantly, this is the sound of you heading to your local Chevy dealer today for a test drive. Find your Silverado and find new roads. Chevrolet. Hello there guys, what is going on? Daniel Charles back here again for another show. Really hope you're doing well. It is Wednesday the 28th of June, two days away from the FFP deadline of the 30th. The first on Saturday of July is the beginning of the Pochettino era at Stamford Bridge. That is when he officially starts his work at Cobham. Hopefully we will be getting media with him the press conference i'm sure an in-house interview other stuff too going to be excited to cover that finally see pochettino in chelsea merchandise see him in a tracksuit see him around cobham with his staff seeing the players filter back next week for pre-season training it won't be all of them as we know because some of them of course some of the younger ones are are still involved with the euros under 21s and that may have its kind of knock-on effects for pre-season preparations that maybe some of us haven't kind of appreciated but I'm just excited for next week to see Pochettino. That's going to be the big thing. And we will react to his comments, not only in front of the media for the press conference, but also I'm sure for for in-house stuff as well. Today's show, transfer stuff. We've got quite a bit to get through. Chelsea, close to making, making another signing. But this one, I think, ties into something bigger for Chelsea. And we will get into what that is. We'll speak a little bit about Mason Mount, the stalemate with Man United. As well, I do want to cover a little bit on Moises Casado and then Ruben Loftus-Cheek because it is basically set now. He is going to be moving on this summer to AC Milan. So I want to speak a little bit about Ruben because I think he does deserve an appreciation as someone who I've I followed his career and just kind of reflecting on, on his time at Stamford Bridge. If you are new around here and want to get the latest Chelsea content as we head into pre-season, turn on those notifications. Please do hit the subscribe button, hit the like button too. Share this video around with fellow Chelsea fans so more people can check out the content if you're listening on the podcast feed thank you so much for tuning in so this player that Chelsea out of nowhere it feels like are close to buying it is Angelo from Santos forward right winger we do have to kind of give credit here to Brazilian journalist Vene Casagrande I hope I've got his name uh, correct there who reported on this in terms of Chelsea close to sign the Santos forward Angelo Um, very young player 18 years old and, you know, again, it's another one of these players. Chelsea have been very active in the South American market pretty much since January. I mean, you think about Andre Santos, uh, Kendry Paez. It seems like Chelsea are very much targeting that area. And I don't know if that's got something to do with the people that have come in, whether that's Christopher Vival, uh, Lawrence Stewart, Paul Wynn Stanley. You know, these are people, I know some of them have been given the name global kind of sporting directors. And I think this kind of fills into it. Now, it has been suggested from, say, Fab Romano that he's going to come in as part of preseason preparations and it won't be a, a Kenji Pires situation where he's basically not going to join Chelsea for a couple of years yet. But I still kind of think for a player with such little experience, unless Chelsea have uncovered some absolute genius, I, I do think it's very likely he is loaned out. 
uh, just looking at this graph I, I found on TransferMark that looks at his kind of first team football, he has started to play competitive senior football for Santos, but not a lot. And you are dealing with a very, very young player here. Uh, not the most ridiculously young player, but someone who, of course, moving country, moving culture, you expect... You don't want him lost in the shuffle at Chelsea when we already have enough players as it is. Um, even trying, we're trying to trim down the squad, not boost it this summer. So I think it's very likely he moves on. And I do think this plays into, and I wonder if this player, along with some others, will find their way to Strasbourg because this is something we have touched on in recent weeks. But Chelsea, it's kind of kind of done now Chelsea have uh, bought a major stake in Strasbourg and Nazar Kinsella pointed this out in his piece for Evening Standard recently how Chelsea will benefit from Strasbourg deal as multi-club project begins Chelsea know that they need to expand beyond England to compete long term and see the acquisition of the league one outfit as a fundamental importance to their future prospects Blue Co 22 which is the organization basically behind Chelsea's ownership is the name that's been given and some people have kind of make jokes out of that over the past week Outlined its aims last night after securing almost an entire stake in Strasbourg, making the following statement, this strategic investment would further our presence in European football. Alongside our ownership of Chelsea, we believe it, it would create huge opportunities to share knowledge and expertise. It also, as Nazar Kinsella points out, gives Chelsea significantly enhanced access to players from Europe again and a chance to overcome recent Brexit regulations that stopped Premier League clubs from signing under-18s talent from the continent. I know David Squires, of course, Guardian uh, cartoon is very famous um, in the UK in terms of his the way he kind of mocks things and he did something on this in terms of Strasbourg fans uh, being completely horrified and you can see that on the graphic right up here in terms of Todd Bowley. The multi-club model is in itself very controversial and I can understand why. I understand why people look at it as kind of extracting meaning out of clubs, out of their community. How Chelsea may look to use Strasbourg as somewhere to send these young talents if they aren't going to get first team football instantly. But I do think the multi-club model, I understand why Chelsea in, in sort of a very clinical um, look at looking at the market and looking at what Chelsea need to do to remain competitive it, it, in some ways it's logical but I understand there will be a lot of opposition to it and I'm interested to hear your thoughts are you that signed up to this because as a Chelsea fan does it really emotionally connect with you in any way is it something that kind of makes you feel a little bit uneasy I'd like to know your thoughts in the comments below going to move on now to Edward Mendy um, just as I've started recording the show Chelsea have um, announced that Edward Mendy has left it's it's a shame. I, I really do like Edouard Mendy. Um, I think he has been one of Chelsea's better signings in the past decade. Really good character. The story of him has been incredible. And I do think for a period he was one of the best goalkeepers in European football. The stats kind of proved it. And he was overperforming expectation. Of course, when you are overperforming expectation and performing at that level, it's kind of hard to maintain that. And for a variety of reasons, he lost his place, got injured, lost confidence, as a lot of goalkeepers can. And, you know, it's ended in the way it has. And I think it's a bit of a shame that it has ended this way. And I'm not the only person that looks at just on a performance basis and a a technical point of view that kind of finds it not unjust because Edouard Mendy himself wants this move. And, you know, I think it's been clear that the club and himself have been apart for some time now. But just in terms of quality, in terms of output, I do think Edward Mendy's a better goalkeeper than Kepa Riza Balaga. And I think it's as much a financial thing that has meant and, and, and who's going to pay for Kepa in the current market 
as it is about quality. Because even if you can point to Mendy's drop in form, I still think the height of Mendy is better than anything we've ever seen with Kepa Rizabalaga. So I wish Mendy the best. I really do. And, and still, I think an incredible just human story in terms of coming back from adversity, coming back from unemployment and and making it to the top of the game. He will never have that taken away from him. You know, first African goalkeeper to win the Champions League, a very special part of that. Had a great song too, which hopefully we will still hear around Sanford Bridge for his name because I, I really love seeing Mendy at Chelsea and I, I hope he continues to have a good career. Let's talk about Mount. It's getting a little bit boring now, but apparently Chelsea and Man United are now in talks. Matt Law reporting it basically saying it's unclear whether talks from Mount between the clubs will be face-to-face or via a video call, but Man United are prepared to discuss their stance with Chelsea and try and find a common ground rather than keep bidding for Mount. They apparently are sticking to this 55 million bid. I did say on Sunday when I talked about Mount that there comes a breaking point and it comes to a point with Chelsea, I think, on this front. Because, listen, Man United are going to do what Man United are going to do. I'm more interested in, of course, from Chelsea's point of view. You've got Mauricio Pochettino starting his work now and... What you don't want is constant questions about Mount's future for the entirety of the summer. That will become, I think, a drag to Pochettino, who maybe experienced some of that when he was at Spurs and wants to, there's got to be a positive energy about this preseason. And if Mount is, you know, I'm not, I, I don't think that Mount will come in and, and be disruptive. At least that's the signal is. And I think Matt Law reported similar earlier in the week that that's not going to happen. But you don't want it dragging down what should be an optimistic time to kind of rebuild Chelsea. So that's why even if I feel Mount's worth more than 55 million, will the club blink? Because they feel that the money's there Man United are the most willing buyers and you can't really want, you don't want to be in a situation of losing him out for absolutely nothing next summer. So that's going to be, I think, the breaking point to see if Chelsea do blink or whether they hold firm and maybe feel, maybe Pochettino hopes you reintegrate Mount and in a dream scenario that he stays at Chelsea. But that is the dream scenario. I think at the moment, all indications still say that Mount will likely move on and will they find that compromise this week? Also, we know that Moises Casado is likely to to be in the eyes of Chelsea this week in terms of making a, another bid because it isn't just no bid so far. David Ornstein reported that Chelsea had made about 60, I think, million bid. And this was in, in conjunction, I think, with his reporting around Nicholas Jackson, who still hasn't been announced. And that kind of came as a surprise because all of the reporting at the time had said that Chelsea were kind of thinking about it. You know, is it kind of a deal that can really, really be done this summer with Levi Colwell, of course? But apparently now Chelsea are going back in. And we do know from the player side, it's been pretty consistent that Moises Casado is very willing and open for a move to Stamford Bridge this summer. It's whether that deal can be struck with Brighton. And I do think this is going to be one that's going to drag on because Tony Bloom not only knows he can extract a big fee for a very talented player, but I'm sure he's looking at the situation that is developing with Declan Rice between uh, Arsenal, Man City, Man City have now backed out. It's likely now that we're... um, West Ham are going to get over 100 million for Declan Rice, which I think is, you know, fair given what Rice could contribute to Arsenal. And I think maybe City have messed Arsenal about a bit to, to force them to pay a little bit more dream situation from a negotiating point of view for, for West Ham. But that's why it may drag out a little bit longer than maybe Chelsea would want, anyone would want, because it's such a key position, right? But it, it comes down to that thing of if you're not going to include Levi Colwell, which I don't think you should in negotiations, you know, you're going to have to pay more and you're going to have to pay a, pay a premium and it's whether you want to push the boat out for Moises Casado. I still think that Chelsea will. 
And I think that the deal could be done, but I don't expect it to be done anytime soon. I'd like it to be done swiftly, as we all do with transfers, because we hate them dragging on. By just knowing Brighton, it's going to be a little bit longer of a negotiation. The final thing to speak about today is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Uh, Chelsea and Milan have agreed a fee for Ruben. Uh, ben Jacobs reporting yesterday following a productive Monday night meeting. As revealed yesterday, total package, including add-ons, is uh, 20 million euros. Loftus-Cheek is expected to sign a four-year deal. So he made kind of a big show, Ruben, on the final day of the season of saying goodbye to Stanford Bridge when he was subbed in the second half. And he got a lovely ovation. The majority of the crowd singing his name. I thought it was a really nice moment because... You know, Ruben's been through a lot and I think that there's one way you can look at the Ruben Loftus-Cheek Chelsea story. You can be kind of quite cynical and, and be quite sad that it didn't turn out the way many of us dreamed it would when he broke through and kind of the talent there and especially before his injury. But I think there's another way to look at this um, is that Ruben did succeed in some ways at Chelsea. Being able to come back from what he suffered, especially... Because he had a number of injuries earlier in his career, but especially that ACL injury. And given some of the stories around then of how difficult it was for him to return, it took him around, I think, 13 months, maybe a little bit longer to get back and, and start competing again. And then going on loan to Fulham during the 2020-21 season, where it kind of looked like this could be the end for his time at Chelsea. I think that's the, the most telling thing about Ruben's character was that, that it could have been very easy for him when he was loaned out to Fulham to, to just be the end, you know, and that's that's it. That's his Chelsea dream over. But the fact that he kept on pushing and he, he found his way back under Thomas Tuchel and sure, in the two years since, he has not been anything more than a, a rotational squad player, but he has filled some important roles. You know, I, I look at that position and the way he contributed against Real Madrid in the Bernabeu as a right wing back and some of the performances he played there it was a testament to Thomas Tuchel's coaching but it was also a testament to Ruben Loftus-Cheek's versatility which is just a consistent theme amongst Cobham graduates he also has a part in that massive goal he scored at Wembley you know I, I although again I know some people look and go oh it's only a semi-final goal because we've been to the semi-final so many times but for him I think as a Chelsea player for him as a player to score a, a big winner at, at Wembley of course matters I think it should matter to players and he is also someone that has been involved in whether it's the Europa League um, under Mauricio Sarri even though he got injured several uh, times he, he's been involved in some big wins particularly in Europe I just think that Ruben you know, I really do hope with Milan and, and with Fakaro Tomori there as well and Olivier Giroud there. I, I, I'd love to see him, you know, have a few more really good years um, in, in Serie A. And it's nice. I think it's just nice when we see English players go abroad. I just really like it uh, because we're seeing it more and more and more, whether it is to um, Italy or to Germany. I think it really does uh, broaden their horizons. And, it, you know, it gives us a lot of reason to watch the games actually in Serie A. So, Ruben at his best was a dazzling talent I, I really do think that and we can talk about this for years and years and years to come about that that period before he got injured where he truly did look a sensational midfielder and he had all the tools and capability to be a Rolls Royce and that was something that was a phrase that kept on being used and, and even in glimpses we've seen it but the fact that he battled back and, and tried his best to make a career at Chelsea I think is a sign of his character and I really hope it works for him at AC Milan and I, I hope it it continues um, what is still, you know, a, a career at a high level. So all the best to Ruben. We do think that Pulisic is going to join him. Uh, so when that comes through, we'll speak a little bit about Pulisic because he is another one that has a, a very interesting narrative, also cursed by injury. 
But that is it for today's show. Um, as I say, we we get closer now to the end of the week. I'm sure that the Kai Havertz deal to Arsenal is going to be announced. I think it's been leaked already. We know Kovacic has been announced. I suspect that we, we may get Nicholas Jackson announced before the end of this week, which is exciting too. And we will cover that on the channel. Thank you for watching. Follow me on Twitter at Sano Chelsea. And I'll see you again very soon. All the best. Podcast Network.